Welcome to the podcast from Plum Creek Community Church in Castle Rock, Colorado. Thanks for downloading my dad. I hope as you listen, you are challenged and encouraged by his message. Father, we come before you this morning. And we're going to receive what Stephen spoke into our hearts this morning, that as we find ourselves in the craziness of this Christmas season and all of the decorations that need to be hung and the cookies that need to be baked and the gifts that need to be purchased and the travel plans and the celebrating and Lord, all of the things. God, we just need to stop this morning and be reminded that the reason that we celebrate all of this is because we have a God that loves us and that our God would do so much as to send his son. And that's why we celebrate. And Lord, we should celebrate that big. And so help us to do that this year, but to do that well. That in, in, the, in the process of all of the trimmings and the decorating and the packages and the gifts, that Lord, we would lead our families, lead ourselves, lead our kids to be reminded of the goodness of our God. And that this baby that we celebrate is, is the one that brought redemption and forgiveness and hope for eternity. And Lord, we just thank you that that we can start this week off this way as we begin our Christmas series here at Plum Creek. Will you just help us to all be very reflective, help us to think through the way we celebrate and how we just personally take some time out of the hustle and the bustle to spend moments with you. Will you remind us, Lord, maybe it's the, the star that that we'll see lit even again tonight, that, Lord, when we see that, will you just remind us that your presence is with us and that we celebrate with purpose and with reason. And, Lord, will you just do something special this holiday season in each of our hearts and lives as we continue to keep the focus that that you would be pleased with in the midst of all that we celebrate. Lord, speak to us this morning as we start our our series, and God, I just ask that we would walk away from this place with fresh perspective and uh, reflective hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. Will you turn and say hello, maybe slap some high fives uh, as, as you're finding your seats uh, this morning? That would be awesome. Well, good morning, everybody. If you're a guest this morning, my name is Doug. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Plum Creek. We're glad that you're here. Uh, If you haven't had a chance to uh, fill out one of our contact cards, you'll find them in the chair backs in front of you. We'd love to have record of your visit. Uh, Thank you for being here. We know there's a lot of great churches in Castle Rock, and we get a chance to work together to impact the spiritual climate here in this community, and uh, that's just awesome. And and we we really do work together. We have a lot of fun together. We pray together. We actually are hosting the prayer uh, time that we meet on Thursdays here at the new new building this this month. So that's kind of fun, and it's just an awesome time for us to be able to connect and pray through what God's doing in our town. There's great stuff. There's a, a new church that just had their first service this morning up at Mesa Middle School, and uh, God bless Ernest and the rest of his crew. Uh, I've heard it went well, so that's awesome. God's doing some fun things in our community, and it's awesome to be part of it. If you're looking for a church home, it's a great town to find that. And if Plum Creek isn't the one, we know that's possible, and uh, we would love just for you to get plugged into a church that will help you to grow in your spiritual journey, give you a place to connect with other people that are doing the same, and provide opportunities for you to serve. So just drop that uh, contact card in the uh, in the popcorn buckets when we take our offering at the end of our service. We'll follow that up with a 
a letter and with a phone call, seeing if you might have some questions we can answer. So thank you so much for being here. While you have those cards out, do you guys like what the crew did with our little stage that's ours and we don't have to take it down? Isn't that beautiful? I know, it's awesome. <clears throat> Excuse me, so if you would uh, like to help with that, we're going to put a team together that will help us with some stage design and those kinds of things. If you have passion or experience in those areas, sometimes it takes some construction skills and some creativity and those kinds of things. Uh, but it's, it's really fun what you can do with, uh, with just the little basic little things that really make a difference. So if you'd like to do that, if you could help us with that, just, uh, just let us know in your contact card. We'd love to have record of that too, and we'll, we'll follow up. It, it's not something you have to do every week for sure, but during our different series, it'd be fun to do some creative stuff with our platform. Well, how's everybody doing? Are you warm? Aren't you glad we have heat? Isn't that great? You just have to keep it turned on. You guys can pray. We just found out we had a water break in the house up front, so we've got a or a water line break, so we got to get that fixed this week. That's fun, right? Stinking cold weather. But hopefully, in the process of all of uh, the hustle and bustle, that's what this is about as we start our Christmas series together, uh, we will be able to reflect on what this is really all about. And I'm excited about this series. Several months ago, I was in preparation and just trying to get some ideas for this uh, Christmas series this year, I was reading back through the Christmas story again, and I was just very, very impressed with a couple of statements that were made to and made by Mary. And so this year, our Christmas series is called Mary's Christmas, and uh, it's, it sounds Catholic, doesn't it? It's okay. It's okay. She should be celebrated. She was chosen by God for a special reason, and we probably should celebrate her a little more than we do sometimes. So we're beginning this new Christmas series called Mary's Christmas. So why would we do a series on this? I've been reading a, a really good book by Scott McKnight called The Real Mary, and I want to just read you a quick quote that kind of explains a little bit more the heart behind why we would choose to do this series. He says this in his book, The Real Mary, because the real Mary always leads to Jesus. When we discover the real Mary, the one who lived in the first century Galilee with Joseph, who I believe nurtured other children and who struggled at times herself, we also discover someone we can embrace because Mary embraced her son as we are called to do. When you find the real Mary of Scripture, the Mary of the first century, you'll discover that she'll be talking about Jesus and pointing us all to Jesus. That's what this is about. That's what Christmas is about. Everything points towards Jesus. And so during this series, Mary's Christmas, we're going to take a look at a couple of different statements made to and from uh, Mary, and we're going to see how her life intersected with amazing people. And together they shared some extraordinary experiences and moments together and she has this uniquely, um, per, uniquely beautiful perspective on Jesus' time here on earth because she was with him a lot. She, she was his mother, his nurturer, caregiver, proud parent, and eventually a believer and ultimately a follower of our king and her king. You see, while all of this story of Mary was taking place and this story of Jesus and the story of the shepherds and Joseph and the Magi and all of the rest of it, God was really all about invading a broken world and giving us an opportunity to experience His redemptive work personally. Invading a broken world then and invading a broken world today, and that's powerful. 
That's why we celebrate Christmas together. So for many reasons, she's such a great picture of what it means to follow Christ and what it means to be a disciple of His. Some lessons that we can learn from Mary are, are very, very interesting and very, very powerful. And honestly, I believe she deserves more attention from us than just once a year at Christmas. Her story should, in a lot of ways, in the way that she embraced Jesus, should be our story in the way that we embrace Jesus as well. And I'm going to share that with you some more over the next several weeks. So if you have your, your Bibles or your iPhones, your iPad, I want you to turn, if you would, in your Bible to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 is where we're going to start. And I'm going to read through a portion of this story together with you today. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, you guys know that was one of Mary's relatives, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. Now, we could stop right there and probably do a whole series on that first sentence of the description of what happened that first Christmas. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. That could probably be another whole series in a second. Think about this for a second. And here's the danger at Christmas. The danger is that we've heard this story since we were, you know, yay high. We've read this story so many different times that the significance of what's taking place here has become commonplace. And today I want to shake us up for that, from, from that for just a minute. I want you to think about what's said here in this, to this sentence. In this, sentence. this virgin named Mary was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Now let's just talk about that. Some of you will remember, raise your hand if you do, uh, the day you got engaged. Raise your hand. It's pretty powerful, wasn't it? You were like, thank you, Jesus. Someone said yes, right? I remember that day well. I remember how exciting that was. I remember how nervous I was to ask Beth to marry me. I actually asked Beth to marry me at the Thanksgiving table at her parents' house. We were going around the table and what we were thankful for. And I really put her on the spot. And I said, I would be really thankful if you would say yes to be my wife. Like, no pressure, right? <laughs> you can ruin my Thanksgiving and the rest of my life, right? <clears throat> that would have been a very... <laughs> I was just thinking, honey, that would have been a very awkward Thanksgiving. I'd be like, all right, I'll see you guys later, right? <laughs> I'm just going to walk home uh, from Missouri to Illinois. <laughs> What a powerful, powerful memory to, to, to think about what must have been going on in Mary's life at this moment. And see, it's become so commonplace that we forget. She's probably a very young lady, and she's just uh, said yes in their process to, to, to being married to Joseph. Now, I want you to know something. Joseph was also a very interesting a person in the story that oftentimes we lose track of. You see, Joseph had royal bloodlines. Joseph stud. Everybody knew that. The king of the nation of Israel, David, is in this guy's... This is like tabloid news stuff here. We're watching a royal wedding get ready to take place here. And we've read the story somewhere like, oh yeah, Mary, she's married to this guy. Going to get married to this guy named Joseph. And yeah, whatever, King David bloodlines. And we just keep reading. This is big stuff. And unless we get our arms around and our, our minds wrapped around the reality of what's happening in this story right now, you're going to lose the punch that's coming in the next couple of verses. This is a young lady, very excited, maybe one of the most exciting times of her life, planning a wedding, trying to figure out what colors she wants, choosing the location and trying to figure out 
what elements are going to be part of her wedding ceremony and who's going to sing and what am I going to look like when I walk down the aisle and will will stud that royal stud Joe smile the smile that I want to see on his face You see, we can forget the reality of what's taking place in this story. I can't imagine what this would have been like. We've heard the story so many times. Now look, in the midst of this very serene, beautiful, royal planning of a wedding, look what happens now in verse 28. Gabriel, an angel. Let me say that one more time. Gabriel, an angel, appeared to her And said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. What do you think would happen if you were in the midst of your wedding, celebrating, preparating, getting all of your colors ready and figuring out the menu and the location and who, you know, all of that stuff. The angels show, I'll tell you what would happen. Look at the verse. Confused and disturbed. I love those words. I love when the Bible is so real, we can get it because we get it. Like, of course, an angel just appeared to this young lady who's in the midst of wedding preparation, and she's obviously confused and disturbed. And Mary tried to think, what in the world could this angel be trying to communicate to me? Greetings. Who says greetings? It sounds so official. Greetings. Favored woman. The Lord is with you. They probably turned the reverb up, don't you think, for those kinds of conversations? We should have done that. That would have been cool. <laughs> Mary has found favor in God's sight. The emphasis is not on Mary's merit. It's on the fact that God has sovereignly chosen her to be part of His redemptive plan in a very unique way. The phrase, God singling Mary out for this important task, the phrase, the Lord is with you, means, literally means, that God will give you his help for the task that he has called you to do. I love you guys that this is a promise that's not just for Mary, but that's for you and me too. That God is with us. And he, just as he did with Mary, but in a different way, he's invited us to be part of his story, his redemptive story. And his promise to you and me is the same as it was to Mary. I am with you. I'm going to give you everything you need to be able to be part of this unique redemptive story in the way that I want you to be part of it. That's powerful stuff. And we could lose it if we're reading too quickly through the story because we're so familiar Look at verse 28 again. So the Gabriel appears to her and greetings, favorite woman, he says. The Lord is with you. And she's confused and disturbed. This week I was trying to think about what could it be that would give her the feelings of being confused and disturbed. Let's just be honest. First of all, angelic presence. That's confusing and disturbing, right? Like, am I in trouble? What's going to happen? You know, what's going on? Like, this is craziness that's taking place in her room that day. Confused and disturbed. Unaware of anything special about her. It's highly likely that she is confused and disturbed because of the circumstances and the setting surrounded this. So, listen to how he communicates to her after we see that we see her thought processes. That Mary is confused and disturbed and she's trying to figure out why in the world is there an angel in my room? 
I got other things that I'm supposed to be worrying about right now. And there's holy freaking out happening. There's an angel here. And so to clear it all up, this nice little angel, Gabriel, probably not little, says this in verse 31, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Oh, now that's just great. Right? That we, we read that and we're like, man, praise God, he sent his son. That's great. Mary, sweet, good work. You thought you were confused and disturbed before. Now you talk about stuff getting jacked up. It's jacked up now. You're like, oh my goodness. Angel in my room, confused and disturbed. Now he's going to try and clear it up. And now I've got bigger problems than ever before. I'm going to have a baby. And they've already chosen the name. And now you know what she's thinking? Does Joseph know about this? Because the way things play out from here, I can't figure out how any of this would ever be good. That's the reality of where Mary must have been in these moments. Mary was a recipient of God's grace in so many ways, literally carrying God's redemptive plan to earth. Carrying the salvation of the world. And she's like, I'm a teenager. What's going on? I was trying to pick my colors. Now I don't know if there's going to be a wedding. Not a good place for this young lady to be. Now, here's what I don't want you to miss here. It's easy to, to miss that, that just like Mary had a responsibility, we have a responsibility. You see, in God's plan, His plan includes you. His plan includes me. And we are also literally carrying the redemptive message to this world around us. God has included us. It's a reminder of what God wants to do in us and through us. His plan is that His presence would be in your life. That He would change you and that He would put His life and His hope and His plan into your life. He wants you to be part of it and He's called each of us to be part of this redemptive process. The truth for her is the same as the truth for us. It has nothing to do with you deserving that. Mary didn't deserve this. It wasn't because of her merit. But it has everything to do with God and His goodness and that he wants to involve his people in his redemptive plan. Just as God planned for, for Mary to have a role in this thing, he has a plan for us to have a role in it as well. You've been chosen to carry the good news, to carry the salvation to this world around us. Now, I'm not sure how you feel about that. I venture that our responsibility uh, comes with a little bit more ease than Mary's responsibility that day. But I'll bet you that some of the same emotions have come your way when you've learned that first time that you learned that part of God's plan included you. There's some holy freaking out that goes on there too. And I believe there's one common emotion that's probably real for all of us when we understand that God has a plan and we're part of it. And it's in this verse that I purposefully skipped in the story. And it's the verse that I want to focus in on today. Look at what this angel said to Mary in Luke chapter 1 verse 30. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, the angel told her. 
For you have found favor with God, and you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. I wonder what, what things are you most afraid of? You know, I'm afraid of some things. I'm afraid of heights. I don't like heights. And you've heard it said, and it's probably even more true, I don't want to fall and hit the ground. There's something about that. Like, it doesn't even have to be a real situation. It can be a movie or a picture. And I'm, like, I freak out. Like, I can feel it inside of me when I feel like somebody might even just possibly be too close to the edge somewhere in the world right now. I can feel it. I'm afraid of heights. It's true. I, I have that. Luke and I were just talking, my son, on the way home yesterday from the basketball games that he wanted to go skydiving. I was just like, because I think we heard a commercial for the indoor skydiving thing. I said, oh, now that, that I could deal with. He's like, Dad, why would you even do that? Because you would never go real skydiving. I'm like, I wanted so much to say, yeah, I think I can. I just can't. I can't do it. I'm afraid of snakes. If I know that there's, I don't care how big it is, I'm afraid of it. The bigger they are, the faster I run. And if I think it might be somewhat endangering somebody, you just, you're on your own. <clears throat> One time Beth called me and she said, there's a snake in our front yard. And I was at work. And I'm like, I'm at work, honey. Like, seriously, go get the neighbor. I'm not, <laughs> this is exactly what I said. I'm like, the neighbors can handle the snake thing. I got a lot to do right now. <laughs> I don't like snakes. I'm also afraid of failure. Whatever failure looks like in whatever I'm doing, I'm, I'm afraid of failure. We're all afraid of different things. And throughout this story, this Christmas story, and angels show up four different times. Here's what I've noticed. As I've read through the story again this year, something that I really love about this story is that when the angels show up and they say, fear not, they use people's names. First for Zechariah, the angel shows up and he says, Zechariah, which is really good because if an angel's going to show up, I want to make sure he didn't get the location jacked up. <laughs> if you've got an important message, an angelic message for me, just use my name. Zechariah, fear not. And in another verse, in Matthew chapter 1, we're going to look at it here in just a second, he shows up to Joseph, and it was an important showing, by the way. And he says, Joseph, fear not. And then this verse that we just read in Luke chapter 1 with Mary, where he specifically addresses her and says, don't be afraid, Mary. Four times in, in this story, three that I've mentioned and one other with the shepherds, the angels show up and every single time they say, fear not. I'm not sure where you are in your faith journey. Maybe you're just here because someone invited you. Maybe you just found your way here today. Like I shared a couple of weeks ago, a lady just walked in and said, what is this around here? Well, it's a, it's a church. She's like, I just got caught in traffic and I thought I better come check it out. Maybe that's how you got here. I don't know. Maybe you've been involved in God's story for a long time or a short time, but we know He wants us to be part of His story. And the message that you and I need to hear today is, don't be afraid. 
Don't be afraid. I love her initial response, confused and disturbed, and for lots of reasons. First of all, it's angelic. Second of all, it's got to be a little unnerving as an engaged virgin to learn to realize from an angel that you're going to have a baby. That would be tough to explain. This message comes from this angel, and I love watching Mary trying to figure this out. She's so real. Maybe that's part of the reason why she was chosen. Luke chapter 1, verse 34, Mary asks the angel, How how can that be? Because I'm a virgin. This is not good. This This is only seen on some kind of reality TV show. So... Mary is really freaking out, and now the angel's going to explain it and make it all clear. So here's what I want you to do. And and I'm not going to have this on the screen because I want you, especially ladies, I want you to pick up what's happening here, and I want you to feel it today because the story is so common. We've got to feel it. So I want you to close your eyes for just a minute. Ladies, think back to that day we were just talking about, if you have been engaged or what you dream about that your engagement could look like. And I want you to think about being in love. And I want you to think about your big stud, Joe. It's not Joe, probably, but if it is, congratulations. And your heart is full. It's one of the most exciting times in your life and your dreams are coming to fruition and there's plans and there's celebration and there's all of these wonderful things are spinning in your life right now. It's just a... It's a really wonderful, your journal is full of goodness. It's a great time. And now there's an angel in your room. And you're confused and disturbed. And he wants to clear it up for you today. And so this is what the angel says. The angel of the Lord replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy And he will be called the Son of God. All right, look at me for a second. That clear it all up? Feel any better? Do this. Not so much. Because now I'm really more disturbed and more confused and I'm thinking about all of my life and all of the things. And the first thing you say is, you know what, angel, hang on a second. Don't leave. I need my dad here. Right? Like, can you tell my dad? This is going to get, wait a minute, I need to get Stud Joe here, because this is going to not sound good when I tell him. Like, I need some help with this one. Can you help me with this? Somebody is going to call TMZ, and it's going to be all over the Nazareth Inquirer fast. Royalty. Everybody's talking about it. Good bloodlines Joe had. What's going to happen when the whole town hears about this? So now she's disturbed and she's confused because her reputation, her relationship with this awesome stud of a man named Joe now hangs in the balance because of what she's heard. These words that she's heard, literally, and as we're going to hear in a couple of weeks, Gary's going to talk about this, her whole life is on the line. And she's feeling the intensity of the message that this angel has given to her. 
So we need to focus on verse 30 for Mary's sake, but we need to focus on verse 30 for us today too, because we're called to be part of God's redemptive plan. And sometimes that can be disturbing and confusing. And what we need to hear is what Mary heard. Those words were important all of those years ago, so vitally important for Mary to hear. And still today, they are fresh and real for us too. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I wonder what it is that you are most afraid of when you think about being part of God's plan. What do you fear about this? Maybe you're in a season of feeling very uncomfortable and unsettled in your life. Maybe you're just disturbed or maybe maybe you know you're not where you should be in your faith journey and in your relationship with the Lord. Maybe you've been cautiously holding back or uncertain, concerned or even scared or trying to figure this out. I wish you guys that we had time today. To have a moment where I could put this screen up with your name on it. Don't be afraid, Kirk. God's got a plan. And you're part of it. Don't be afraid, Doug. God has a plan. If we could somehow own that verse today, if it could become our verse that knowing God has called us to be part of His redemptive plan, when we have our moments where we're freaking out, to just hear that voice say, don't be afraid. I've called you. I want you to be part of my redemptive plan. Don't be afraid. That's our main thought for this weekend. You might want to write it down or circle it or star it because there's going to be times in the process of learning what God is asking us to do that you're going to be afraid. So let me give you a couple of fear factors that I think can be part of this process of learning that God has called us. The first one of these fear factors is that we can be afraid that God doesn't see us. What about me? You live an invisible life. No one seems to notice you. Why would God? So when you hear me talk about God wanting to include you in his redemptive plan, you're like, no, not me. Doug, you don't know. As a matter of fact, I kind of like my anonymity. And I try and hide, and I like when the lights are turned lower so you can't see me. I don't want to be noticed. Maybe you're going through something right now, and you know that You need to know today that God isn't missing the details of your life. You maybe feel alone. You maybe feel concerned. The circumstances and the situations that you're facing, I need you to know today, God doesn't miss details. You don't have anonymity with Him. He knows what's going on in your life and He knows what you're facing. And the most important place for us to be authentic is in the presence of our God because He already gets it. He knows what you're dealing with and he wants to be part of that. You see, God knew where Mary was. And when he sent that angel and deployed the angel to send the message, God knew that 33 degrees north latitude and 35 degrees east longitude was exactly where she was. And he knows where you are too. You haven't missed God's attention. Mary was an ordinary person. But she was on our Heavenly Father's map. You and I are ordinary people. We live in ordinary houses, on ordinary streets, in an extraordinary town. We have a star. Isn't that where Jesus comes, where the stars are? 
He wants to involve us in His plan. You're on His map. Don't be afraid. He knows you. He has a plan for you. And His plan for you is part of His redemptive plan for your street, your community, your kids' school, where you work, and this world that we live in. God knows where you are. His plan involves you. I want to read to you two verses from Jeremiah. You might want to write them down. When God called a guy named Jeremiah to action, I want you to hear the words that he used. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so he uses these same kinds or has these same kind of feelings towards you and I. In Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, he says this, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Now, you will not have the exact same call that Jeremiah does, but you have a call in your life to be part of the redemptive plan of God. Listen to what God said through that prophet Jeremiah to his people that were being held in captivity in Jeremiah chapter 29, 11. He said this to them. And again, God is the same yesterday, today and forever. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a whole, a future and a hope. Boy, that should be an encouragement to somebody that's here today. He knows you. You're on his radar. He gets where you are. And he has a plan. Don't be afraid. So sometimes we can feel and be afraid that God doesn't see us. And the other thing that kind of goes with that, it's very similar, is that we could feel insignificant in the big picture of what God wants to do. We could feel insignificant. Comparatively to those around me, maybe you feel like you're ungifted unqualified. You don't seem to have the right tools. You don't feel worthy. Maybe it's something that you carry from your past. Here's what I have found. And when I've talked with people a lot, there's this overwhelming feeling that, okay, Doug, I get it, that God might have a plan for my life. But man, there's a lot of stuff I need to get figured out in my life before I move forward with that. Maybe you have some kind of habit or maybe you have some kind of issue from your past or maybe it's some relationship that's broken that you know needs to be fixed or maybe you need to learn to forgive. And so whatever it is, you fill in the blank. If I deal with this, then God can use me. We feel insignificant for lots of reasons. Maybe, maybe it's that you feel this way, insignificant, that you'll never amount to much because that's what someone told you years and years and years ago. And those words have been burned into your soul and you've almost believed this lie that someone told you and it's become almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. I will never amount to anything. I will never be able to do anything. I want to challenge you to not believe those words that have been spoken over you or those feelings that the enemy has put deep into your soul because it's one of his greatest tricks to make us feel like we are insignificant and for whatever reason incapable of being part of God's plan. That is a lie. God doesn't choose any of us because we're overqualified. He chooses each and every one of us because we're underqualified and it's going to take Him at work out of our place of desperation and reliance upon Him is only when the great things start to happen anyway. So in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our hurts and all of the issues, whatever it is that you say, if I could deal with blank, then God could use me to do something. Or if I could deal with this issue, then God will accept me. Remember this, what Paul wrote in Ephesians 2.10. We've read it before, but it's so powerful. For we are God's masterpiece. 
God's masterpiece. We're not junk. We are God's masterpiece that He created us anew in, in Christ Jesus so that we could do the good things that He planned for us long ago. So how does it work then? If God created us and we still feel the, the weight of all of the hurts and the, the habits and the things that weigh us down that we think we need to deal with, here's how it happens. Jesus said it in John chapter 15. He was talking to us. He was explaining how this whole picture works. When we feel unworthy, here's where it happens. He says, yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain connected, who remain in me, and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. For those of you that feel today, all I need to do is deal with this. And once I get this handled... Then I can move forward in my walk with God and in, in the opportunity to serve and to be part of his redemptive plan. Remember this, that is the greatest lie you could have ever been told because you're not going to deal with this on your own. When you remain connected to God, the way Jesus told us in John chapter 15, that's when we're going to see fruit in our life in a whole different way. Apart from me, he said, you can do nothing. So rather than let that weigh us down, hold us back, let's just dial it in and say yes to God's plan. Let's say, yes, Lord, you do. So, I mean, don't try and do therapy on your own. Do therapy with Jesus. When you go see your counselor, you better take Jesus with you. Because apart from him, you can do nothing. And when you have to deal with things in your life and maybe whatever it is that's holding you back, when you deal with those issues and those things that you feel don't, don't release you the way they should, get connected to the Lord and allow him to produce much fruit in and through you. It's not what you can do. Don't be afraid. It's not about you. It's never been about you. It's never been about your giftedness. It's not about what you bring to the table. It's about what he brings to the table. It always has been and always will be about God at work in and through us. So you might be afraid that God doesn't see you or fear that you're insignificant or the last one that I want to talk about, which there could be many more from this story, afraid that, that somehow God's going to mess up your plans. Because we all have our plans figured out, don't we? So did Mary. Man, beautiful young teenage girl engaged to this hot royal stud. Plans are moving fast. Plans to grow old together. Plans somehow now shattered with this angelic news. Have you ever felt that way? Like if I say yes to God, really say yes. He's going to jack up my plans. He's going to mess some stuff up. And the, the dreams that I have, they're not going to come to fruition the way I want them to. Maybe you're at a place where you're just figuring out where to go to college or finishing that degree or taking your new first great job or recently engaged. Or maybe you just feel like things are clicking great. Your marriage is going well and your kids, you have kids now, you're starting a family and you're finally feeling like you're just getting ahead and you're turning the corner. Maybe you're retired or just maybe even just a, a, a few days, weeks, months, a couple of years away from retirement and you got your stuff figured out. And I'm afraid if I say yes to the Lord because it's feeling pretty comfortable right now, He's going to mess up my plans. 
Let me show you something in this first Christmas story that I think is so cool. At the same time that Mary is struggling to figure all of this out, she's not in a good place, guys. She's scared to death. Of course she is. Her dreams have been shattered, and she's worried because she's communicated now to her father and probably or probably to her father, but for sure she's communicated to Joseph the great news the angel brought that I'm having a baby. Trust me, I'm still a virgin, stud Joe. Well, thank God that he had all of this covered. And in Matthew chapter 1, and you can turn there in your Bibles, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born, Matthew wrote. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Wow. Joseph, it says in verse 19, this stud Joe, who had royal bloodlines, her fiancé, was a good man. And he didn't want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. It's his plan, right? Here's the plan. This chick Mary, not sure what happened. She sure got a story. What I'm going to do like I would want done, I'm going to put her away quietly. I'm not going to put it in the Nazareth Inquirer or call TMZ. I'm not going to do everything I can to get her back. I'm just going to put her, put her away quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David. Now, when you hear words like that, you know it's either your mom, because that's my mom. She's here. Hi, mom. She's in the back there. She calls me Dougie when I'm good. And like it could be, I don't really remember, but my middle name is Otto. I know. I'm very proud of that, though. It's my dad's name and my grandpa's name, my great uncle's name, and it's my son's middle name. Douglas Otto would definitely get my attention. Joseph, son of David, which clears everything up because we know, again, he's got the right person, he's in the right room, he's in the right dream right now. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Joseph had plans. God had others. Here's the cool thing that's part of this story. Could you imagine being Mary and Joseph and missing out on all of this? Not being able to watch Jesus grow and become the Savior to all mankind? You see, sometimes we feel like God's messing up our plans and all He really wants to do is give you the experience that He wants you to have so that you will truly understand and know the goodness of our God. And when He does this, when He rolls His plan out for us, although it might seem like some disruption, His plans are better. That doesn't mean they're easy all the time. But they are always better. This is a beautiful part of the story. Joseph was going to run. He was afraid. What would people say? How can I save face? And How could I carry the shame? His relationship with Mary obviously wasn't what he thought he was, but God intervenes. God says, don't divorce her. Take her as your wife. In Joseph, we see a man who hears God obeys God, and becomes a protector and a fighter for his family. Powerful. So there are lots of things that you and I can be afraid of. 
they probably pale in comparison to what Joseph and Mary were dealing with those first Christmas days. But the reality is true that we need to not be afraid. I've asked Stephen to come, and I don't know where you are in your situation in your life, but the key today is that we need to not be afraid. We need to know that God's plans include us. Even when you feel insignificant or unnoticed or unworthy, or you're afraid that somehow that might mess up your plans, maybe you've been thinking about this for a long time. Maybe your relationship with God has dwindled over time, and God, you know God has called you to something or to do something, and you know it's time to take action. Maybe during this holiday season, God's calling you to reach out to a friend, to mend a relationship, to restore something with families, um, friends, to forgive, to invite, to tell the truth. Maybe you just need to be brave enough in your circumstances and situations to tell the story of God at work in your life, to deal with an addiction. I'm not sure what it is that God is calling you to in this season of your life, but He wants to be part of your story and He wants you to be part of His redemptive story. And what matters more than anything else as we set off on this Christmas series is that we would learn, just like Mary, just like Joseph, to say yes. With a little bit of reckless abandonment, just to say yes to God. You know what? God, use me. Take my life. Take my life. Use my life. God, I want to be part of your story. I don't want to miss out on what you would have for me. And so today, as Stephen sings this song, I want you to think about this song being a prayer from your heart. And I want you to think about how in this moment we need to say yes to what God wants to do in us and through us so that we can experience the most fulfillment that we've ever experienced in our lives. And that's being part of God's story. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. In a moment of reflection, let's think about the words to this song. Give myself away. I give myself away. So you can use me. I give myself away. I give myself away. today as we head into this Christmas celebrating season. Lord, we could learn something from, from the story of Mary and Joseph today. And we would say yes to you. 
Lord, I don't know what it is that would prevent each of us that are here today from saying yes to you. Lord, I know the enemy would want to throw all kinds of things into our minds and our hearts to distract us from this moment. We need to have courage to say yes to you. And we would give our lives away. Following your example, Jesus, that's what you did. So maybe today you found yourself here and you don't even know why, but in this moment you realize you need to say yes to him and you've never said yes before. Man, it's an awesome place to be right now, right here. The reason you're here is so that you could hear this message and take a bold step into your life. The most important decision that you will ever make and that's to say yes to him. Maybe as you look at your life and you realize the the life that you've been living so far away from God and as you've been trying to figure this out, you know right now, in this moment, you know the plans that you had haven't been working out the way you had anticipated that they would. And the reason for that is that you haven't said yes to His plan yet. And so if your plans have fallen short and you know that you've done some things that have for sure not been part of God's plan and you've you've wished many times that things could be different and you've tried to change on your own. You know, Jesus came that we would be able to have a fresh start and we would have forgiveness of our sins. And so today, you just need to say yes to Him. Say yes to why He came because He came for you. And so, in your own words, would you just simply say, Lord, I ask you to forgive me. I thank you for your provision on the cross. And today, as we head into this Christmas season, I want to experience it different. I want to experience it as one of yours. And so today, I give myself away and I ask you to be the Lord of my life. Help me understand every day, in a greater way, what it means to say yes what it means to say yes to you at work in me and through me. Lord, for the rest of us that are here today, whether it's been a long time or a short time since we initially said yes to you, I pray that today would be a rallying cry for this Christmas season. Fear not. That we get a chance to be part of your plan and it's not because of our merit, it's because of your redemptive work in us. And now just like Mary, we carry this redemptive word into the world around us. And so, God, help us to have opportunity to share this good news with others. Lord, whatever it is that would hold us back, I pray against the enemy's attacks in so many ways that cause us to feel like we're unqualified or unnoticed. Or, Lord, if we've become so distracted by our own plans that, Lord, those are the top priority instead of your plans, today will you challenge us with that thought that we would say yes to you, that you would take our lives and you would make them count for the cause of Christ. Continue your redemptive work in us and continue your redemptive work through us. It's in your name we pray together. Amen. Amen.